Welcome to the show. I'm Brad Johnson, and this is the Do Business, Do Life podcast. I believe in the and approach to life and business instead of the either or. This show is my attempt to help financial advisors create unlimited growth and freedom in their life and their business through wide-ranging conversations with some of the most brilliant and interesting people on the planet. We refer to this mission as DBDL, doing business and doing life. What is up, DBDL fam? Today, Brad is going to be talking to me, uh, Kristen Shea. Uh, We literally just got done recording and I'm super, super hyped about this conversation. I really hope it's valuable for you. And if nothing else, I hope that you laugh at some of Brad and I's dumb jokes. Uh, We're going to go really deep and hopefully give a ton of tactics and words of wisdom that are actionable around things like building and scaling, you know, surprise, surprise, uh, attracting talent, crafting a shared vision and transferring belief, not only to your clients, but to your team, incredible talent, what a brand is and what a brand is not, how to create content that wins in the intention economy and basically everything in between. I'm going to spare you on my background. Brad and I get into the journey during our conversation, but what I would love to clarify uh, that we didn't really get into is my title, Chief Product Officer at Triad Partners. A lot of times when you think about products in our industry, you think about investments or annuities or life insurance. And for us at Triad, products have a different meaning. Our product is our experience, our coaching, all the ways that we help our members create unlimited growth and freedom in their business and life. And it's basically a super fancy title for a role where I'm, I guess, just super blessed, to be honest, to sit in the lab and learn and research and come up with new ideas all day at the intersection of coaching, marketing, and experience for our members. A product typically in other industries is what someone would buy from you, right? That's not as relevant for advisors and inside of our industry. I really want to encourage you to look for ways to create products outside of investments and annuities, life insurance, et cetera, inside your own business based on your client experience, based on your expertise, something as little as the way that you approach beneficiary reviews by packaging and productizing the amazing things you're already doing every day. So before we get into the show, a special episode, we've got two something specials lined up for DBDL listeners. So one, a free copy of my book, The Truth About Digital Marketing for Financial Advisors. We've got a box. We're going to send them out until they're all done. If you're outside the U.S., shipping prices are crazy high, but I would really, truly be honored and humbled if you're outside the U.S. if you wanted to read it and order to copy on Amazon. Second give, okay, we talk about how we take inventory of our members' business as step one in our launch plan and uh, casting a vision. So we're going to pull the curtain back and share the pre-vision present business snapshot exercise that if you take about 25 minutes to complete, we'll kick out an eight-page report that's going to make it super easy for you to cast your vision if you don't have one already. And this is the exact same one that our members use. We'll pull and grab and send those reports for you. So in order to get a copy of my book and access the pre-vision present business snapshot, you're going to text the number 31. Uh, the number, not the word, to our DUDL Insider phone number. It's 785-800-3235. The phone number is also in the show notes. And leave us a review. If you have already, just give us a heads up. Many of you already have left reviews and we really, really appreciate it. Apologies for any redundancies there for those of you that already have left a review. And then um, from there, we'll send you a link so that we can get a good shipping address for the book and get you access to the present business snapshot. As always, please note text message data rates may apply. You can opt out of receiving text messages at any time by replying stop to any message that you receive. Show notes that include links to all the resources books mentioned, uh, people discussed are available at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash 31. And uh, real quick before we get into it, thank you 
from the bottom of my heart, I really, really hope this is valuable for you. I really hope you love the book. It's not a fluff piece by any means. Pour my heart and soul into this conversation. It was a blast. And from the bottom of both Brad and I and, and the entire Do Business, Do Life podcast teams as we are officially past the 30 episode milestone here. Thank you. Welcome back to another episode of Do Business, Do Life. Have a very special one here today. Kristen Shea joins us, Triad's Chief Product Officer, friend, author, LinkedIn. What did you keep getting called at Future Proof? The LinkedIn girl? I don't know. They're, it's just funny because it, you're known in different circles for different things. But what I love about you, Kristen, is just the authentic person that has showed up at Triad from day one and has helped build this thing often days down in the trenches where I feel like we're slugging it out side by side, but really excited to have you join the podcast today. Welcome. Yeah. Thanks. Glad to be here. I have something fun for us to start with actually on the way back from our event last week at Scale Summit. So we're going to do this together. It's funny that you mentioned that being a jack of all trades. I think that's an Enneagram 7 thing, but I did just hear a quote from Naval Ravikant, who I know you're a huge fan of um, business philosopher. If you're not familiar, he's worth checking out. He said, if we were meant to be specialists, we would be ants. And what he was, and at first I was like, wait, what? I guess I don't know that much about ants, but basically saying that the world is so much bigger. And yeah, you want to specialize inside of your role, but inside of your life, like you should aspire to do and be as many things as you can. And reference back to, I think it was the Roman empire, how you were a student and then you were in the military and then you started a business and then you work for the government and then you were a philosopher. Like that was the career path was uh, doing a million different things and uh, not being ants. So thought you might appreciate that one. Because I think you're well, you know, uh, what's interesting and an Enneagram seven. And so for those unfamiliar, go back and check out the episode with Ian Cron. But it's one of the things that has become a core pillar when it comes to culture at Triad is everybody here knows their Enneagram number one through nine. Chris and I both share the Enneagram seven number, which is known as the enthusiast, which can also be known as kind of fear of missing out. Um, wants to have their hand in everything, you know, scared to miss a party sort of personality. And with that also comes, I think one of the things that why I love to podcast is I'm naturally curious. I naturally love people, relationships, deep conversations, learning. And so I think some of these things tend to be superpowers applied to the right medium or the right focus. And uh, so I appreciate you saying that because one of the things that I love about this show and just this industry in general is all of the different types of humans you're exposed to, all the different ideas. And um, yeah, that's why I'm still doing the show. I think we're about 150 episodes in now, going back to my prior show. And just another quick shout out for those that are unfamiliar. Kristen is the voice that does the intro to the other DBDL episodes. And I'm not a robot. She's not a robot. She's not. Even AI, though you hear the text message and generates my reply, please reply stop yes. at any time to opt out. Kills me. <laughs> yeah, the same disclosure every time that we have to say, which is fun. But um, um, what, one of the things, and we'll get into this, Kristen, is you're truly gifted at. Uh, you know this industry well. You're super passionate about it, obviously. But one of your superpowers to me is taking loads of data and content and information and curating it in a beautiful, easy to understand way, which is really hard, by the way. As I thought about how do we take this podcast to the next level, there was no better person 
to put on the mic um, to kind of intro each episode than you, because you're just so good at like taking long form content, big data and like curating it into, but like, here's the three things you got to know about. And I know you've been doing that on LinkedIn for years. So with that, I know we were kind of prepping for this conversation. I would love Kristen Shea's version of how our paths originally crossed. Uh, I've got my version, but we'll start with yours. And maybe we do a little back and forth because I think there's so much you can always learn from an origin story. And then we'll get into all of the cool things we're learning from the triad members, the advisor offices out there, your book. Uh, I've actually got a copyright here, The Truth About Digital Marketing for Financial Advisors. And we'll let the conversation flow. But what's Kristen's story of like, hey, here's how Brad and Kristen connected and went down this rabbit hole to where we all eventually ended up at Triad together. I did mention in the beginning that I had something fun. And when I say fun, I mean, I had to protect it like with all of my suitcases through multiple states and airports to get to you. I had an order from Uber Eats that I got replaced with PF Chang's and I got two fortune cookies. So maybe we do this at the end, thought one for you, one for me, or I thought if we did at the beginning, it could set the tone and maybe we could just talk about whatever the heck King fortune cookie says. What do you think we save it to the end? Or we want to jump. Here's what I think. Here's what I, here's what I think we do. I think that will be a great way to end the conversation when it comes to doing business, doing life. And we'll see what the fortune cookies have in store for each of us. And by the way, now now they have to stick around and hear the end. That's a good hook. Literally unwrapped it and stopped it and like had to put it back in the bag and break it. All right, cool. Sounds good. This story goes back many, 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 many years ago. Actually, almost 10 years ago, got into the business 2015. Fell, was recruited out of a restaurant where I was waiting tables by two nice men who tipped well. Was over college, found myself in the corner of the universe that wholesales annuities to independent advisors. As a millennial, I like to consider myself as an artist. And I think I'm a a little bit of a rebel at heart. When they said I needed to make 100,000 cold calls a day, I said, okay, sure, but also no thank you. Let's see if there's another way or a better way where we use the internet. So I leaned into LinkedIn. I did not know that where LinkedIn was over the past couple of years is where Facebook was decades ago. I would love to say that there was like some master plan, but the strategy was really connecting and building relationships directly with advisors, mostly through direct messages because you could skip the gatekeepers. Uh, you could do it at scale, which turned into content creation. And I think at some point you and I connected because I was a huge fan of your podcast, listened to all your episodes, was like raving fanatic. I must've been like 23 years old, 24. Cause I got into the business. I was 21 when I think you reached out and you were like, Hey, any thoughts on ever moving to Kansas? And it was like, absolutely not. I would never, which is hilarious. Uh, jokes on me. I think we did that dance for a couple of years because like you were a relationship. I really wanted to keep, but I also was like, never going to move to Kansas jokes on me. But we had this great relationship. Hey, great podcast episode. You'd say, Hey, great LinkedIn video. And then I think there was one day in 2020 when the world was falling apart, I think everybody kind of had like a come to Jesus moment where they kind of were like, wait a second, am I happy with where I am? Am I built for more? Is there more out there? Am I creating the most value and serving the the people and the the missions I care about the most right now in my life? Uh, Had one of those moments in 2020, called you. I think I texted you because I was crying and I was like, that's it, I'm coming to Kansas. And then- slept on it, woke up the next day. You're like, you know, nice. 
hey, what's your address? I'd love to send you a book, classic Brad. I'd love just just teaching and sharing had a little bit of that, like, I'm not ready to move to Kansas and like, everything's okay. I slept on it. But then I heard, I think in August that you would quit the week that you would quit, picked up the phone, called you, yo, heard you would quit. I don't know if it was like a day after, a couple of days after, right around your 40th. And then I think it was the first time that we talked and we weren't competitors and we could just talk and let it flow. And I feel like I remember us talking for hours and I remember hanging up the phone, walking straight into CrossFit, turning around and walking straight back out. Like you would think with all that energy, I would have like actually worked out with it. But I think instead I just walked out and spammed you with a hundred messages because of what you had said, which was basically like, I'm ready to create a bigger difference in this industry. I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I want you to be the first hire. Um, I want to build a community. I want to build a business that is about lives. And then from there, it was me being like, Hey, what's your address? Let me send you a book until it was, until we met, et cetera. Similar to your story. You know, I would say the vast majority of all those facts, (laughs) like that's exactly how I remembered it. My side, you know, what's so funny about the FMO industry, like just looking back now is how territorial it gets and, and not for the benefit of the advisor, actually to the detriment of the advisor, I think oftentimes. And I remember there was definitely a mutual respect because I think like one of my clients at the time commented on one of your LinkedIn posts or something. And of course, the natural tendency is, oh, they're like commiserating with the enemy sort of deal, right? But then I was like, I just watched the video and I was like, damn, it's pretty good. And so then I think I gave you a follow or like, however we linked up on LinkedIn, whatever it's called. And um, then I was like, okay. And then it was, there was a consistency of great content, thoughtful content. I love that you were real and authentic always. I love that you, you were advisor focused, not me focused. I saw a lot of consistency between the content being created and it was about the advisor first not about, because there's a lot of content online, unfortunately, that's like about look at me and it's about the own personal ego thing. And your content was actually, here's how I can serve. Hey, I read this article. Hey, have you thought about this fact? Hey, here's a conversation I had with an advisor that kind of struck a chord. And so I think there was a shared love of the space and the advisors, the relationships, which I found to be very true as we've worked together. That stayed very consistent. And there was a shared respect that then turned into a friendship, but there was always a little bit of a dance going on to your point, because at the time we were competitors. And the only thing I remember differently from your recollection is I believe, so I think you called me, (laughs) there was, there was a couple iterations of conversation. And then it was almost like, I mean, I was like, Hey, Kristen would kill it on whatever team she's on. And so I was like in recruiting mode of like, Hey, I'd love to, bring Kristen onto the team and you would kind of be like, eh, yeah, but no. And then it was kind of this dance. How much would you and pay then, me? Okay. That sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice to hear. Appreciate the affirmation. Well, Never and part of it, part of it was the location <laughs> deal. Right. And we can get into that in a little bit, but <laughs> here's what I remember when I left my prior life, it was an, inc- I mean, I've covered this in previous podcasts. So go back and listen to episode one, if you're not familiar with the story, but um, that was really, really tough. It was like personally, like one of the hardest decisions, most emotional decisions. It was the week I turned 40. So there was all kinds of 
life milestones happening. And um, that was my identity and who I was for almost a decade and a half. But I, I knew it was time. And I knew it was time for that next evolution of me as a man, as a, as a business person, all of that. And my recollection is it was a week or two after my last day, you hit me up. And I thought at the time you still did know. So maybe you did know, maybe you didn't know, but it was like, Hey, I'm ready to explore, like coming to Kansas to work at, at my prior life. And what I remember in that moment was, yeah. So I quit my job and it was this like, Oh my gosh. So I don't know how that played out if it was conversation one or two, but then I remember exactly where I was. It was like a, yeah, let's talk. And I took that as, okay, he's still recruiting me and you were probably going to be like, let's get on the phone. And so I can like, that I'm not there anymore. I think was that was, cause you know me, I'm a quick start nine out of 10 quick start. The second I found out, cleared my desk, threw it all on the ground and called you. Interesting. It was well, so here's what I remember about that first extended conversation on that note. I was in my backyard on my cell phone and it was probably an hour long conversation, maybe somewhere around there. And the ideas just started flowing about everything that was right in the industry and everything that was missing in the industry. And as we both know, this is 100% a relationship business. And there was just a lack of like the sort of community that I believed was possible in this space. And obviously this is the do business, do life podcast that has become our mission. Back then it was just an early idea of like, what if you intentionally created a community? We didn't know what that looked like. Was it FMO? Was it a paid mastermind group? But there was a shared love of the people in this space and how to serve them at a higher level. That's what I remember, like the themes that were coming out of that conversation and all kinds of ideas flowing around. And yeah, so, it was exciting. It was like, we could do this and we could do that and we could do this and we could do that. Like, it wasn't a conversation of like, here's all the stuff that's wrong. It was like, whoa, imagine the possibilities. Like if yeah. we just lean into the things that like we care about and we know our advisors care about. Like the sky is the limit in the industry, like for the people serving advisors and for advisors themselves to challenge a status quo and, and shake things up in indefinite amount of ways. It was just exciting. I feel like we just like ping ponged. I got yeah. crazy. It's very dangerous to give two Enneagram sevens a blank slate. You never know what's going to come out of it, but it was a really cool conversation. And I want to, I want to go to something that you've helped a lot of triad members help create. And when I really look back, that was the very, very early beginning stages of a vision for what triad would be. And obviously it was, I mean, Sean, but I mean, it wasn't too long after lifelong friend, Sean Sparks partner at triad partners. It was just cool. Those early stages of every business. And if you're an advisor listening to this, go back to like when you decided to leave that captive firm to go independent, when you broke out on your own, like whatever your original origin story is, because there's the honeymoon phase of the ideation. Then there's like the, oh, what did I do to myself? This is way harder than I thought it was going to be. I think every business goes through that. But don't ever forget that magic of why you created the thing in the first place. And I do believe it was that shared vision that as we came together, as we hopped on a whiteboard, as it all kind of started to come together, and we just had some really passionate people in the room, the very early team at Triad, where I remember you were running a 99 logos contest for our original Triad logo and all of the different things. And you can't ever forget 
at early energy of like why you exist in the first place. So what are your, what are your thoughts just on those early days, the vision, your learnings from that whole thing, you actually moving to Kansas, by the way, don't leave that part out. Okay, I um, moved to Kansas. You know, I remember Sean saying at one point, cause you guys have, you guys have also have experience building and, and growing in, in other areas of your career. Is either you or Sean saying like, these are the days that you're going to look back on forever. And um, like there were moments in the beginning where there were early, like where we're putting together desks, small win. We got a new ta- a new conference room table that didn't fall over if you leaned on it the wrong way. Like those were small wins that were like huge yeses. Those are amazing. I feel like I also died, but in the best way. Like the person who left her fiance, packed a suitcase, took the dog, signed a year long lease, like basically on a whim to come out to visit you guys is a completely different person than the person that came back. And it's because, I mean, that chapter in the beginning, I think really broke us down so -hmm. that we could build and become something so much bigger and better. I don't think we knew how hard it was going to be. And I also think we made the, the mistake that most business owners, and I think advisors, we see it all the time, make we made it is that we cloned ourselves. You cloned yourself by making me the first hire. And uh, mm-hmm. similarly with Sean, where it's just all ideas and it's all chaos and a lack of follow through. Like in hindsight, like as Michael Hyatt says, first hire should be an EA straight up. And more than anything, like even on the worst of days and like we, like we had them, it was the most fulfilling work I'd ever been a part of. And it still is. I- I've never been more proud of anything, including those days where I may have acted like an a-hole because I didn't know, you know, because the world felt like it was crumbling around us at any given moment, you yeah. know? Yeah. Sometimes being naive to what you're getting yourself into is a good thing because I think there's this um, entrepreneurial mystique in today's world where it's like the TikTok videos, the IG stories, whatever, where it's like, oh, this is all just glorious. And no, no, it's hard. It's really hard, especially when you're joining a really small company at the time. I mean, we were but the kind of five original team members, you know, now we're approaching 70 team members three years later. So like, just like how it's all grown so quickly and come together and the personnel stuff and getting new people that don't know each other, that are super passionate to work together and communicate in a healthy way. Like so much to your, like, yes, it's like you died and became a new person. But one of the things we say at the Johnson household is get uncomfortable. That's where all the growth comes from. <laughs> And boy, did we all do that. So let's go back to vision. Yeah. And really quick, I think if there's one thing that I would say, looking back and you think about social media and like glorifying the hustle culture and entrepreneurship, which is like amazing. One thing I really wish we'd done a better job of, uh, and I think we're doing a better job of now is building in public, right? Like documenting Mm -hmm. the behind the scenes, because Mm -hmm. first of all, it's just amazing to be able to look back on. Like, I don't think we have enough, but also because the people that are invested in the business, invested in your success, considering joining your mission, like that's really interesting and helps transfer ownership of your vision to those people. Like, I wish we would have had videos where it's like taking the printer off of the box and onto a desk, you know, like, So that like the people that were rooting for us, but couldn't say that they were rooting for us outwardly could like be like, yes, I got a desk. That's the one thing I think we, I wish we could have done differently. Well, I'll tell you what, because you, you are very good at snapping pictures. It's almost, 
it's sometimes tough for an Enneagram seven to be present and be in the moment. We're very futuristic thinkers of like, here's what's next. Here's what I'm excited about. I think you're actually pretty good about being in the moment because a lot of times along the way, you're like, guys, we have to take a picture of this and remember this. Like, you're not joking that there was a free conference room and I say a, a free conference table, I should say, that was in our conference room in the early days. Why was it free? Because if you put your elbow on it and land, the whole top would like fall off. And like, I don't know how many times it was like the initiation that tried, somebody would go to sit down on the table and literally flip the whole thing. But those are special memories and moments we will look back on because now we have a really nice conference room with like a beautiful conference room table. But I kind of in a weird way miss yes. the early one. You know, it was like character building and the grit of a startup. Yeah, and- you know, like lose some weight because if you are over 40 pounds, and you lean on the table you're you know it's over you're you might break your femur you know yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> so all right let's go sorry to, go back um, to vision no 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 you're good i was planning on reminiscing a bit along this this conversation so let's go to vision and one of the things hindsight looking back and i'd love to get your take because there was a very rough vision in the early days yes there was kind of a North Star mission that was very like, not clear. But one of the things that I saw you do a lot along the way was you were really good at documenting and saying, hey, there's this thing. We've said it like 15 times in the last three days. That should probably be something we write down and remember. Check your ego at the door was an early one. Do business, do life, by the way, fun fact. It is now Triad's mission. Originally, when we started, it was one of our missions. It wasn't the mission. And what's been really cool, and I I share this because I see a lot of advisors get stuck. We're like, oh, it's got to sound perfect. You know, my brand identity and my message and my mission statement. The truth is it was really messy, but we did a pretty decent job of like documenting the things that kept coming up. And then eventually we turned that into a true mission statement, true core values. But what's your side of that? Because you obviously were at least clear enough on the vision to invest into that as early talent that was recruited into Triad. And I think there's a lot of clues in that for advisors because there's a lot of two, five, 10 person small businesses that their hardest part is getting great talent to buy into the mission of the company. So what are some learnings or ahas from you on that side? So basically like, what did you guys do an amazing job at? No, I'm just kidding. I'm super happy. No, no, I'm just kidding. Let let me give you that because you guys, I mean- No, I know we did a very- (laughs) awesome job at most of it. That's the truth. So I'm not going to call myself an A player. I appreciate you calling me that. What I will say is I was somebody who inside of my role was constantly trying to push boundaries and push, go outside of my role to create and build with the vision of doing more, becoming more, right? Like wholesalers don't typically go on tour with the Rolling Stones to talk about what it means to retire like a rock star. Like they don't typically do speaking engagements on digital marketing. I wanted to start a digital marketing company. I think earlier in 2020, there was like this itch where it's like, I want to build, I want to make a bigger impact. And inside of my role, I don't know that I have the path to do the things that first of all, I really love to do. And I, I think I'm decently good at. So the first thing that I think was really exciting was that there was a a promise and an action that backed it that was ownership. It was you, it's, Hey, we're bringing you on because you're an expert and what you say, we're going to trust you. I mean, I've only before tried 
and the restaurant I dropped out of. I've only worked up at one other place and wouldn't trade that for anything. And like the empowerment and sense of ownership that you guys promised and then delivered was insane. It's incredibly fulfilling. I think there was a research, you and I were just talking about how like one of the biggest things that quote unquote performers need is autonomy and the freedom to make decisions as opposed to them saying, I really think we should do this. And then somebody saying, oh, well, no, it needs to be this way. Or like, that's a good idea, but no, you know what I mean? Like you, it was all ideas. The sky was the limit. The answer, the response to the ideas were more along the lines of what's possible as opposed to what isn't possible. Right. And I think in companies we tend to, and maybe it's just because we were new, but I think in general, it's stressful being a leader. It's stressful being a CEO. It's stressful having the constraints of the business and cash flow and all of that. It's easier to say, well, in some ways, like to say, like, let's just stick with what's comfortable. Um, and I thought that was really cool. I'll tell you the people, the people were a huge deal. You and Sean are legends. And I want to, to be on the dream team. Like, I don't know. I don't, wouldn't have said that I, helped make the dream team, but it was like Brad and Sean are legends. I want to be on the dream team. I want to work with the best of the best. And at that point, I don't even know how much of a vision that we had. I just knew that anything that you guys did was going to be amazing. I remember when I first met you guys, we had dinner at Sean's house and Sean, like his brand, he had a huge brand, huge respect falling in the industry, but it's a little bit different. I think than yours and eyes are more accessible. You get to know you through the podcast. You get to know me through my content. Sean's was different because he had a book, right? So you had a little bit of this like mystique. You couldn't hear Sean's voice. He didn't really know what to expect. All you knew was he was like the best of the best from the biggest and quote unquote biggest and, and baddest. And ha- I remember having dinner at his house with you guys and your wife and Sarah and Aubrey were there. Your wives were there and they were so chill and so down to earth. And we drank wine. And I think I said the F word a couple of times and I was really comfortable and there wasn't, it wasn't like all this like makeup and some um, Aubrey would have had like glue on nails and the nail fell off into the dessert. And it was like, wow, these are real people. So I think there was also, I would not have come if I felt like I was going to go somewhere and feel like I have to be somebody that I'm not. I love to hear that. I, I really, I mean, I, I appreciate and I'm humbled by your kind words, but I'll tell you what. You didn't know I was going to say that y'all. I think that's the first time I said any of that. I'll tell you what I love about this business is the people and surrounding myself with just people that want to go do big, what seem like impossible things. And that was definitely you and is you. That is definitely Sean and is Sean. That is definitely me. And it's really fun for me to collect these relationships that are all like, let's go do something big that deserves to exist. And there's not an easy way to do it. And let's figure it out. And by the way, not take yourself too seriously while you do it. Like if you do, that's where you're honestly like getting yourself in trouble. And I've seen it. I've seen what this business does to egos, unfortunately, and probably suffered from some of it along the way. I think we all have, if we've had any level of success, but your last thing you hit, I think there's so much wisdom in that little statement of build a business that allows people to be themselves. Well, number one, recruit people in aligned with the mission, right? Yes. And of high character, but also allows people to be true to themselves. And I know, you know, Shannon on the team who just joined not that long ago. And he said that in a different way. He's like, man, 
I just love like not having to play some game or pretend to be somebody I'm not when I walk through tribe stores. And I'm like, well, if you ever do, you let me know because we've screwed something up along You're the way. You're fired. You know, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm fired. <laughs> You're fired, Brad. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So I, I love that. Well, wait, wait. To... There's actually one more thought on the vision because yeah. you know what's interesting? So we talk about a vision. The vision that we had, that we, we came to the earliest and we rallied around, and we still say it every day, creating unlimited growth and freedom in your business and life. I think that's the closest thing to a vision that we had. And I think it was so easy to do. Like a lot of times when you go to craft a vision, your mind goes straight to planning. Your mind goes straight to a to-do list. Your mind goes straight to the details. Like, what do I need to execute on instead of where are we going? You know what I mean? Like it was a destination. And when you're in the weeds, luckily there were no weeds for us to be in. We only had to think about the future because there was nothing in the present. Right. And I think we had that to our advantage for advisors that are looking to cast a vision. The biggest challenge is like removing, like, Yes, taking inventory of where you are, but then being like, okay, now let's imagine a completely different world. The other thing is we talk about the curse of knowledge, right? Which is a tendency to lean into jargon and technicalities when you're like overly familiar with a, with a topic and you tend to lose people um, and you lose the human element because you're just into like the all of the specifics. That statement, unlimited growth and freedom in your business and life, there's no jargon. There's no products, divisions. I mean, that's a part of the vision first, but you 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 back into that. Like what's what's like the big pie in the sky? And like the details don't really matter. You're not supposed to have all the answers when you get started. And I think that for us casting a vision, for you casting a vision, that was a, a benefit that in hindsight I'm realizing we had. Yeah. You um com- I completely agree the the firms we've worked with that really struggle they're trying to figure out the how of how to get there and they get stuck in the in that i know we both have a, a shared love for michael hyatt his mentoring his coaching the analogy he uses in this book vision driven leader that i love it's john f kennedy saying we're going to the moon by the end of the decade he had no clue how that was going to happen i don't even know that they'd build a rocket at the time right successfully i think i don't even Maybe Russia just put the satellite in orbit. I don't remember, but there's no like getting lost in the day-to-day minutia. It's like, no, this is where we're headed and being truly confident. And we're going to assemble a world-class team and we're going to figure it out. But I think that's the beauty. We didn't know, like do business, do life. Really easy to say, really hard to do (laughs) because do business, do life is work-life integration and how you build and scale a business that's bigger than you. One of the things we say, it's not a big enough dream if it doesn't require a team, but building teams are really complicated. Personnel, really complicated. And so it was not an easy problem to solve, but it was a mission worth solving is the best way I can put it, right? If you're an advisor out there listening, you're like, man, I know I need a vision, but I just can't get through it. Like, by the way, we're going to get into that a little later too, but you do not have to figure out the how. Remove yourself, release yourself from that trying to figure out the how. It's like, what is core to why you exist is really where I go to. Do you have any other thoughts? You've helped a lot of our firms through that. So any other ahas like that have got advisors stuck to where they're just having a tough time processing just even the exercise? Yeah. So I, I think there are a couple things. One, you can't 
figure out where you're going until you take inventory of where you are and where you've been, right? Where had we been? Somewhere that we were moving away from, right? There were things that we loved. There are things that we like totally wanted to continue to use and lean into and explore. And then there are other things we're like, I think we can maybe do this differently, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that you take that exercise of taking inventory of where you are and where you've been and do that separately. It can't happen in the same conversation that you're talking about where you're going because it immediately gets back into, well, I have, I only have these people on my team and I don't have this person and we don't have this process. You have to take inventory of where you are, where you've been, amazing, and then look out into the future. The future is not a year from now. Future is not two years from now. Ideally, we're looking at three to five years. And um, there are four pieces of criteria that Michael Hyatt coaches to and, and we prescribe to, right, that are included in a vision. It has to be clear and practical. I think advisors, founders are really good at the clear and practical because they can say, we'll be doing, we'll be bringing on X amount of assets. We'll have X number of people on our team. We'll have X number of office locations, right? That's clear and practical. It's measurable. But the other two pieces of criteria is it has to be sellable and inspiring. Okay. So three years from now, you want to have a great culture. Cool. Your vision is one of the biggest reasons why somebody will or will not join you. In fact, on recent uh, research that we've been doing with founders inside of the Tri community, the ability to cast a vision and transfer that belief to potential hires has a 98.9999994% correlation to your ability to attract and retain amazing talent. So instead of saying, for example, we're going to, in three years, we're going to have a great culture. Cool. That's practical enough, I guess, but sellable and inspiring we're going to have a culture that is so good that it's our competitive advantage. We're going to have a reputation in the community for being one of the absolute best places to work. Every single person on our team is going to refer every single friend that they know to every single open position because they know it's such an amazing opportunity. And they will never, ever want to leave us because they'll never have felt more supported and challenged and cared for uh, in their entire life. There's a difference, right? I'm hired. I'm pretending to hire Hey, come join us. We've got a good culture. And in three years, it's going to be great. Hey, come join us. We've got an amazing culture. But you know what? In three years, based on some of the things that were our number one focus over the next three years, and we would love for you to come in and take ownership, right? Take ownership of the vision because it's a shared vision. We want to have a reputation. We want to have that big sign out on our window that says Loudoun County's voted best place to work in three years from now. You down to help us make that happen? The sellable and inspiring, I think, is, is the biggest part. And but you have to know what inspires you first, you know, like you have to have those core values and you have to know what's important to you first, because otherwise you end up just saying what you think people want to hear and then building a business that you don't love. Yeah. Authenticity and belief. I think that's where a lot of advisors struggle because it's like, oh, I was literally just, we call them triad packs. I was on one earlier today and complete different, but I've seen this with visions too. Proprietary processes that became like the big, I'll call it like five, six years ago, that became like, oh, I got to have a proprietary process. And what did that lead to? It led to a bunch of advisors going to other advisors' websites and just ripping off their proprietary process and putting their company name in front of it, like XYZ Roadmap. I don't know how many times I saw Retirement Roadmap. And everybody's like, I got a proprietary process. And you're like, do you? 
like, get a roadmap. Okay, let's, let's, it's like Oprah. Let's ask, let's you get a roadmap. You get a roadmap. Yeah. You get a roadmap. And I'm like, let's ask your team what it's called. And you would have a conversation with the team and they'd look at each other like, uh, was it blueprint roadmap? I don't remember. I'm like, no, that's not a shared belief system because it was ripped off. That's the truth. Like it's really hard to believe in something that's not true to your core and authentic to yourself. And what, what I hear you saying, which I love is a great vision. It's almost like extracted out of you onto a piece of paper where now it can be shared out with the team and say, here's where we're going. And by the way, a great vision, we've seen this, it will get people on board. And what else will it do? Get people off board that aren't aligned with that, which is, is really key, right? Like you've got to have a team that is fully aligned. And once you state, this is our North star, you almost give permission to those that aren't on board with that to like remove themselves. And that's okay. You know, it's not a life sentence when you sign up with the company. So, um, I want to get to some of the cool products you're helping build, but any other like closing thoughts on, on just vision or anything else kind of around those, uh, around that topic? Yeah. I'll give a practical, I think, takeaway, easy takeaway. So, you know, step one, take inventory of where you are today and where you've been and reflecting inside of that, ask questions like, what are the things I'm the most proud of? What are the biggest challenges? What are my biggest pain points? And there's a jumping off point for the vision because it's really hard to think about the future, right? Like if Henry Ford would have asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, right? Like sometimes it's easier to say what you don't want than what you do. So if you look at those things that are the biggest challenges inside your business, let's say biggest challenge inside my business is like, I'm the only person who can run appointments and work with clients and I can never take a vacation and I'm always doing everything. And like, it would be great if I just had another advisor on the team. Okay. What's the opposite of that? Three years from today, not only are we going to have a duplicatable, systematic, repeatable, you know, rinse, wash, repeat process that is easy to train on, easy to jump in on, on new hires, you know, an incredible seamless experience for the rest of the team. So new business and operations isn't like in constant whiplash from it, but that sales process, you know what? It's going to be so darn good that the advisors at competing firms are going to be dying to come work with us because they know that they can immediately plug into a system where they're not begging for business. It's turnkey. They can do what they love and only focus on the things that they love and they're good at. And we can all take vacations. And you know what? Well, we're going to take the best vacation together when we hit that goal. So you, you see how that happens, but you, when in taking inventory, sometimes it's easy to start by just saying like, you know what, what do I don't want? Because then it opens your mind to, okay, well, and this is what I do. What's the opposite. And how far can we take it? Do I know, do you know what any of that looks like today? No, you shouldn't. Because if not, that's like a six month vision. That's like a one month vision. You bring in the right people. You you take, you bring, invite your team into it. And then you guys figure it out together and you can do anything that you commit to and you believe in truly. Well, and the cool thing back to the, the vision going back to like, Hey, we're going to land on the moon by the end of the decade. Once you've clarified, this is where we're headed. Now you get the right team in place, which by the way, one of the things that's blown me away is how a great vision will literally pull the talent in. One of our team members literally told us he was going to retire where he was at. And he goes, but then do business, do life just spoke to me. It's like, I knew this is where I needed to be. And so don't be surprised just for the prospects, you know, the, the financial advisor clients that you're trying to bring into the firm with, with this kind of 
shared value prop and vision of where you're headed. Also, the talent you will acquire on the team. We've started to see uh, many of the firms that have gone through this exercise with us. They literally use this in the hiring process to bring great talent on. And so it's, it's really cool how it crosses multiple aspects of, of building a business. I want to spend a little bit of time. This is a little bit of a segue, but we're talking about, okay, vision for a company, how that brings in talent, how that aligns everybody so they can run forward. But a big piece of that vision, I believe, is almost like this brand identity that comes spoken out of the vision. I want to go now, Kristen, because I look at kind of what we coach on from a company standpoint. And you actually started to do that as an as a individual contributor inside of a company where you started to build a brand and identity on social. And a lot of the lessons that come out of your early experiments on LinkedIn, because I think that's really what they were in the early days, it's actually a lot of companies are trying to do that for their company, what you kind of built as a brand and identity for yourself on LinkedIn. And here's where I want to start. Putting yourself out there on the internet, whether it's a podcast like we're doing right now, whether it's a video in your early days of your LinkedIn, putting content out there is really scary. I've seen many advisors just stop right there because it's scary. What advice would you give content creators in finance to like nudge them to take the first step and just like, just go, just start creating, learn. You're going to mess some stuff up, but it's okay. Like, give me your, your Kristen Shea wisdom there from doing a lot of content online over the years. So this is my view now. This was not my view then. I grew up saying I wanted to have a talk show. Like when I, like when I was a kid, like I want to be a teacher. I want to be a nurse. Like it was like, I want to have a talk show. Like I want to be a sportscaster. So like, I think there are some people that have a natural inclination for it. That being said, we can go back to this. Like there's a ton of content that you can create that doesn't require you to speak to a camera. Like there's so, so many other ways. In fact, a lot of the algorithms right now are moving more towards pictures because attention spans just keep getting shorter. The, even the video game is changing. Right now, if I, if I could be completely direct, you have way more to lose by not creating content than you have to lose by making a mistake and embarrassing yourself, which is 100% a guarantee. Maybe Kelly can share this. I went back and went back through my, my videos and my fir- one of the first videos I did, man, I was wearing a turtleneck that I bought for my new job in finance, glasses, I don't know what was going on with my hair. Shoulders were scrunched. Um, when you talk on a camera, when you talk in camera, it tends to play back slower. It's like objects are closer than they appear in a rearview mirror. It's like objects are way, like your voice is way faster than it sounds when you're on video. You know what I mean? So it's like this long, it's, it's like this weird, like turtle neck, like weird turtle video. Very strange, super cringe, but you get better, you get used to it. And then if nothing else, like skills aside, you know, like one of the things we say around here is that language creates is just by telling yourself, I'm going to make an amazing video. I'm amazing on video is immediately going to transform the way that you show up. I think there are three like really important things to keep in mind. Cause I think a lot of times when you go to record or create content advisors, they, they feel like they need to be somebody. They need to be an advisor, right? Like Yes, you are an advisor, but like, first and foremost, you're a human, right? So you see like the bookshelf, you see the suit, you see the folded hands, you see the graphs, and that's uncomfortable for you, right? 
because how often do you get suited and have all these lights pointing at you with like this big bookshelf behind you and you're reading from a transcript? That's not comfortable for you, but it's also not comfortable for your audience. They're not interested. They're not going to watch it. The key word in social media is social. So there are three like core tenants that I have about branding, about content, about business, about life um, that I live by. And I think they're important to keep in mind and should be motivating as much as they are informing. So one, we're in the attention economy, okay? Economics is founded upon the idea of supply and demand. How do we allocate a resource with a limited supply in a world where we have unlimited demand? So you go back hundreds of years ago, what did that look like? Food, water, shelter, okay? Fast forward to a first world society, those types of things aren't scarce. We have food, we have water, but what is scarce is attention because we have this abundance of information. So there was a Nobel Prize awarded to an economist. His name is Herbert Simon over the last, in recent years, over the past 10 years, this is we are now in the attention economy. So in an abundance of information, the only thing that's truly scarce is attention. And to go back to my, the original statement, which is that you have more to lose by not creating content than you do by like, you know, maybe like making some cringe worthy videos or content pieces um, is that there's an attention inequality gap in the same way that there's a wealth inequality gap, right? And that gap continues to get wider. So the people at the top that are getting the most attention in the industry, on social media, in the business, it doesn't matter what it is. As things move faster, we have more information at our fingertips they're going to continue to get more information. And the people that are not capturing a lot of attention, it's going to get really hard to catch up. So you, not you, literally, maybe you, I don't know if it's you, that's okay. But if you are, you know, the advisor that's sitting behind a desk, the mahogany desk the, the, and the bookshelf and the suit and like talking about taxes, you're not winning in the attention economy because the keyword in social media is social. That feels like work. It feels like going to a doctor's office. It feels like going to meet with a lawyer. It's the immediate attention span of all the other things that you're competing with, right? So right above you, maybe a meme about your favorite football team and right below that, maybe a funny video of a kid you know, falling and slipping on ice cream, you're not winning that war for attention. So you have to, moving into my second branding tenant, um, you have to be human, okay? It's not B2B, it's not B2C, it's H to H. It's human to human. People do business with people. So who are you as a person? You, do you love wearing Hawaiian shirts? Do you love walking the trail behind your house? Was there something that you thought about Today, or you came across in business that you're like, or in a conversation with your spouse, you're like, you know what, that was really interesting. And you can just be in your space and talk about it as a human, not as an advisor, but as a human with the intention of connecting and maybe adding some value to other humans, you're going to get way more traction there. And you're going to have a lot more fun doing it. And then three, I want you to like double down. So we have the, we're in the attention economy. That's one, two, it's not B2B, it's not B2C, it's the H to H, but three, um, right now, and this touches on both, you have to be magnetic. And I think we've done this in, in our business um, because we are both attracting and appelling. A lot of time when you think about a magnet, you think, okay, like I need to be magnetic. I need to attract people. But what you forget is that magnets work both ways. They attract and they repel. And the stronger you are repelling, the stronger those attractions are, even if you're pushing more people away. So in my content, <laughs> this is a very scenic route back to your maybe original question. I didn't do this on purpose. I just don't know if there's, I don't know if I know how to be any other way. Either you like me and like, you think I'm funny and like, 
you're interested in me or I'm like some girl with tattoos who and you're like not into tattoos and I don't I don't really get dressed up and sometimes I say like s-h-i-t on posts you know what I mean but like that's me I'm repelling people I'm not afraid to do that because the other advisors that like you know, that are like attracted to that kind of like going against the grain person being themselves, those relationships are going to be way tighter and I'm going to capture their attention way more and stand out above the rest as a human because I'm not just trying to be and sound like anyone else. It's really not that hard. It's actually the easiest way to be as authentic and true to yourself if you're brave enough to do it. And I'll tell you, I, I don't know that there's a human on the planet that says, I yeah. I wish that person was faker. You know, like I wish they were a little more fake. What people are attracted to from my experience is people that are real and true to themselves. Even if they disagree with who they are, they at least respect. It goes back to Tim Tebow. What do you say? I don't care about being liked, but I do want to be respected. And people will respect if you are, here's what I stand for. Here's who I am. Might not necessarily be what you stand for, but here's me. And so much of that, I, I, I go back to early podcasts. The imposter syndrome is real for everybody, if they're honest. The little voice in your head of like, oh, was that video good? Was it bad? But the moment you free yourself, and maybe this is the stoic in me, of like, all I can do is try to add value out there to who I believe to be my audience yes. and not overthink it. And like, guess what? At the end of the day, it's the internet. So half the people are going to hate it. Half the people might love it if you're lucky. And then don't get all caught up in like if somebody puts a negative comment, because as long as you serve one or two people that are out there feeling your vibe, cool. Like that's what being a human is. It's like, can I serve others and help others? And guess what? If you do that enough, all of it comes back and all will be good in the world. So I'm hearing a lot of similarities with just kind of that early journey. Yeah. And you know, it, it's interesting, like tactically speaking about content, you just reminded me of this is you make it about others from a content point of view, from a business point of view, from a mission point of view, it's always who, not how. Yes, that applies to like building a team. How do we bring this vision to life? Who, not how, but like who, not how is also, should also be like your approach to marketing, branding, content, all of it. Who are we talking to? Because from an attention economy point of view, right? Like those are the things that get people to raise their hand and pay attention because they're like, oh, you're talking to me. So I know you love this video and I just pulled up the words. Uh, this was from Steve Jobs rollout of the MacBook commercial. And what he says is we're going back to our brand, which is our values. And he plays the commercial and he says, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, mm -hmm. the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and square poles, the ones who see things differently. That's me. That's me. That's me. He hasn't said, he doesn't say a single thing about the computer, the mouse pad, if they, if they had them back then, you know, like how fast the internet was, what he's saying is, Hey, I'm calling you out. This is for you. And I see you and I understand you. Like that's one of the, the I think like one of the biggest gaps and like opportunities for advisors would be to just start there in your content and in who you want to serve. And it's not just the problems that they have. Like Steve Jobs is not saying this one goes out to all the people who can't get their gosh darn computer to charge. You know what I mean? Or like can't stand the windows noise when it opens. I think a lot of advisors lead with the problems that people have 
right? So the tax burden, by the way, nobody ever says tax burden, right? They'd call their brother and they'd say like, hey, I'm freaking out about taxes, but vol- market and vol- the volatility in the market, they're baby boomers. They have 50, they're 55 to 65 years old. They're concerned about, you know, healthcare costs. I think what we forget is that these people that you serve, they've lived a whole life up until the point that they got into your office. So imagine how much easier it is to capture the attention of the people that you love to serve and stand out and build a business that that you love that supports like a real mission if you were to change it and even just start your messages and lead with a message along the lines of like, this one goes out to the young at heart, down to earth people who are health oriented in their financially, physically, spiritually, mentally, they center their lives around their family. And we'll just say it because it's top of mind and love to challenge the status quo. Who have these problems? Because it's one thing to say, you know, because then when you uh, talk to the problems or the challenges that they may be facing, they're like, yeah, that, yeah, I'm totally into health. Yes. I love my family. Yes. Um, yeah. I challenge the status quo. And oh my gosh, I, I, I have those problems too. You know, advisors don't, we have, we have to speak to the values of the people and it will have help you capture attention. It is as human as it can get. And it's a first step without going full fledged into a niche, which I'm a big fan of, not necessary, but the first step makes a huge difference towards being magnetic. I wanted to just let you flow there. When we get on that topic, I just see the energy come out of you because you're so passionate about it. And You've actually like workshopped this for years now and you've learned a lot and you've iterated. And so here's a little shout out. Kristen did not ask me to do this. This is not a a book launch podcast, but this book just became a year old, not too many days ago. The truth about digital marketing for financial advisors. You heard like five to 10 minutes of Kristen riffing on like social, how to show up, how to be your authentic self, how to actually build a brand online that's true to you. Her whole playbook's here. So you should go buy this if you're an advisor and you haven't yet. And um, that's my um, endorsement of Kristen's book. With that, you're welcome. Um, And I know that was a a love-hate project, which you loved it, you hated it. It was a big, I mean, hate it by mean like it was a lot. Like you had a lot going on. You poured your heart and soul into it. And I'm just proud that you did that because nobody can ever take that book away from you. And I know it's helped a lot of advisors out there. I know many of them have hit you up already. Can I share a win with you? Because we just hit the one year anniversary. Please. And I I love that you're always someone I can celebrate with. So maybe we have other people to celebrate. I'm not usually good at this kind of thing. It was a one year anniversary a couple of days ago. And I have um, reached a thousand advisors. I was thinking it would be like, a, a thousand like copy sold. That sounds dumb. I didn't write the book mm. to make money. I wrote the book because I was like, I got, I got something to say, you know, but a, a thousand people in 12 different countries. So thank you for the shout out. I thank you. I hope after this conversation, it's a, a thousand more very quickly because here's the thing. The internet changed the game. The finance has been a little slower because there's so many hoops you have to jump through and regulations and all of that. But um, I'm actually like, a third or a half of the way through Elon Musk's new biography by Walter Isaacson. I just got that. Fascinating fascinating read. But here's one thing Elon saw is the internet changes the rules to the game. And obviously he was early in that with what was X, then became PayPal, then became 
now X again when he bought Twitter. So it's, it's funny to see how the whole evolution happened, but the internet has changed the game. He's not, no, the internet changed the game because what Kristen could do on LinkedIn today was not possible back in the day, but the reach that it creates if, if you look at like old school financial advising, I'll just go on one little tangent and then I want to get to the cool products you've helped build. Old school financial advising, and it's still this mindset still exists in our industry today. Who's my competition? And everybody looks like on their like block, their city block or their zip codes that they market in and all that. Yes, that's important. But if that's how you're thinking, you're not thinking big enough would be my challenge to you. Because guess what? The ones starting to take over the industry, whether it's asset management or safe money on the annuity front, life insurance, they're utilizing the internet now. And back to what you stand for, what you're for and what you're not for, back to Apple's, you know, think differently commercial, the internet now gives you reach to where you're syndicated worldwide with the click of a button, whether it's video, podcasts, whatever. And it is mind-blowing. Like, I can't believe people that hit me up on the podcast from different countries. It still blows my small town, Kansas mind, but it's a different game now. Big town, Brad. Yeah. Well, still small town in spirit, but (laughs) as you start to understand it's a different game, it actually gives you the freedom to be more your true authentic self because you're not just marketing to your tiny little geography that most of us grew up in thinking about. And it's really cool. It unlocks all this potential for all of us. And so I think that you have an abundance mindset like I know Kristen and I do, it's just really cool how that can play out if you put those messages out into the world to help others. So with that, I want to get to a product you helped create. And by the way, this is not an infomercial for Triad. There's lessons here. But I will say one of the things we try to do is stay member obsessed. So Triad member obsessed, which would be the advisors we work with and build things on their behalf and listen and be humble and all of that. But one of the things we saw was it's really easy to talk about vision, but it's really hard to slow down a super successful entrepreneur advisor that's just cranking 110 miles an hour to say, hey, sit down and craft a vision, like right down under the apple tree, right? (laughs) And um, (laughs) sorry, that's my best analogy there. And so we saw this, we knew the importance of it. If you're going to scale a business, attract great talent, get everybody aligned on a singular focus for the mission. You can't go where you want to go unless you know where you're headed, right? Correct. But it was painful. And so we kept saying, okay, well, just write your vision and then nobody would do the homework. And it was somewhere in this process as we were onboarding new members and we knew we couldn't help them build something if we didn't know where they were going, that the launch plan, which now has become this beautiful deliverable called mission control, which is a vision, the messaging around that vision and the visual identity of the company, really three parts. And I'll let you expand on that. We had to find a way to extract that. And I'm going to brag on you a little bit. This is one of your God-given talents. You have like a voracious appetite for knowledge and data, but so do a lot of other people, but they can't like curate it into something that actually is easy to digest and make sense and really simplify the complex. You have that gift. And I think you like almost did it, organically one time and we're like, oh wait, this could be something. And it got to the level where it was so cool. Michael Hyatt, who does entrepreneurial coaching, we showed him an early prototype. And he's like, he works with entrepreneurs in every vertical, every industry. And he's like, all of my entrepreneurs struggle with the same thing. They know they should do a vision, but they can't actually extract it to a point where they can share it with their team. 
So big buildup. You build an incredible product. I know there are a lot of team members involved, but you really spearheaded the, what we call a product at Triad. Give me just like wherever you want to take that, the ahas, the learnings, the difficulties. Like I'd love to get your thoughts on the purpose behind that, how it came to be. Yeah. Okay. So couple things. We cannot serve advisors at the highest level without understanding their vision. It's a horrible place to be. It, quite frankly, I think we were in, along with many others, it, it was a problem that we needed to solve. But where I think the, the way that we approached serving was fairly reactive because it was in a response to the idea of the day, right? Hey, I just talked to a friend and they just um, started doing educational workshops at libraries instead of seminars. So even though I've been doing seminars for four months, I think I'm going to like just start doing educational workshops now. And it's like, um, okay, well, you're committed to it. So let me help you how I can, right? So there's, of course, you know, as coaches and as a true like business development company, that's a conversation we're happy to have. But having a vision it serves as a filter for all of the distractions masquerading as opportunities, right? So on any given day, it gives us an objective piece of consensus on where we want to go that we can use together to say, okay, I'm, sounds like your friend killed it. That's an awesome idea. This is where we said we wanted to be in three years. These were the eight strategic priorities that we said we wanted to focus on this year. Is this more important? Do we want to take those off? You also said part of your reading that seminars are, you know, everything, right? It becomes a um, almost a, a tool of accountability that I think all of us need. I mean, shoot, I suffer from shiny object syndrome every day. Thank God I have you and my partner in crime, Danny, who is not a quick start, not a seven, who's going to say, like, you know, you did have this other thing that you wanted to do and you've been trying to do for months to be like, thank you, you know? I think it's important and it's important for not only you, for the founders, but for their teams, right? Because otherwise you're just kind of playing, you you get stuck in this game of like playing daily whack-a-mole and you can't see the forest for the trees. And you can't, if you're going to run, you know, a mile looking at your feet, you really think you're going to make it in a mile? You think you're really going to make it the full mile? And Or end up where you wanted to end up? Yeah. Without getting to a hospital yeah. or something, you know? So it's, it, it's important because it keeps you focused on the long term and, and, it, and, it, and it gives you the freedom. I mean, truly the freedom to say, not right now. It's not in the vision. Because saying no, sometimes it's, sometimes you're like, I don't want to say no because I want to do it all. But if you change your mindset around it, saying no is like incredibly liberating. So that's, that's one. And I think the process around the vision is, is similar. I think we've spoken to it pretty in depth. I think we, we take inventory of where we are going through the vision. And then we move into brand. If there's one thing I think I'd note from a process point of view, it's that there's no homework. All of it is done through a, you're in a talking format. Uh, Once heard the quote, you know, it's really easy to get writing block, but nobody ever gets talkers block. So whoever is is helping you extract these ideas, ask them to ask you open-ended questions. Tell me more, tell me more tell me more and either use a transcription service or somebody who's high on follow through that, or can just simply help take notes to take inventory of it so that you don't have to worry about that. And you can just speak freely. 
some people have talker's block, but a lot less people have talker's block than they do writer's block. And it doesn't feel like homework when you're engaging with somebody who's as passionate as, as you are. I, you may be able to get a sense for the passion um, here and the, the whole team shares it. From there, we move on to the brand. And, and Chris has been on the show a couple times. I think it's it's one of my favorite episodes. Chris is an incredible leader and mentor to, I think, try out in the same way that he is to our members as a strategic partner. But I think an, an aha that we made from it internally at Triad was to take those external facing messages that you guys are probably familiar with. If you've listened to Chris's episode, if you haven't, uh, I'm, I'm not going to do him any justice. I would just go back and listen to them. But um, statements like what we are known for or the true outcome of our work and turning them inward towards the business, right? Like a lot of times I think people think of a brand and they think of it as a logo or a font or a color scheme. And that's not a brand. Your brand is your core values. Your brand is the your why. Your brand is like the heart and soul of your business. So in the exact same way that your brand, your values, your vision should attract clients who want to learn more, right? Who want to become a part of it. It should also help you attract team members that want to be a part of it. In the exact same way that your brand should show up inside of your client experience, it should show up and inform your employee experience in the exact same way that it helps you. I mean, a completely different conversation and it's, it's a mindset shift that helps you remove the jargon, right? So it's not what we are known for is comprehensive planning. It's what we are known for is every single client we serve knows that the best is yet to come. And you know what? What we're known for is having a culture where every single person in our team knows that the best is yet to come. That's a real brand when you're bleeding it and your whole team believes in it. And it's not just something that you say. And you've got coasters in your office that say the best is yet to come. And at milestones, at every anniversary, you're sending out a a trophy that says, happy anniversary, the best is yet to come. That's a brand. And that's where you get into the third generation of talking, right? So the first generation, it's you saying it, you sharing it. What we're known for is helping our clients know and our team know the best is yet to come. Second generation is your team telling your clients. Third generation, they hear it enough and it's real enough and you go all in and you say no to everything else. That's when other people start saying it. Hey, what they're known for is helping people know that the best is yet to come. I mean, I now know that the best is yet to come. A brand is not a color, logo, font, any of that. Yeah, first off, episode Chris that you're talking about, Chris Smith, episode five, for those wondering. So check that one out. Chris has been an incredible strategic partner to Triad. We have experienced a lot of this accidentally. And I I shouldn't say accidentally. I should give us more credit than that. We were intentional about what we were building. But I know we've talked about this, Kristen, and for you advisors listening in there, when you create, like as Kristen said, words create Well, guess what? When you create new words for your business, it feels weird, like almost inauthentic. Like, hey, we just kind of like created this thing out of thin air. And so now we're just supposed to start messaging it. I was making a joke at Scale Summit. Um, This will date me a little bit, but a a popular movie when I was in college is called Super Troopers. And there's a funny scene in there where they play the meow game, like meow, like a cat. And the game is how many times you can say meow in a conversation without the person noticing you're saying meow, like meow, you know what I pulled you over for meow, like, you know, like that sort of game. And I was joking, one of our firms out of Chicago, Vantage Point, they were actually on the show as well. They were in that stage where they had just kind of created the messaging in conjunction with you, Kristen, they'd gone through 
the launch plan. We'd created kind of their mission control that you're describing, but then it was still unnatural. It was like, we've never said this before. And I'm like, guys, just play a little game. Like just go in. It's the meow game. And I went, there were three partners. I was like, hold each other accountable. How many times did you say your new proprietary process that you actually have verbiage behind the, we believe statement, all of that. And it was funny when they kind of gamified it, the more they said it, the more they got comfortable with it, the more they saw across the table, the prospect go, Oh, that makes sense. So then the belief was created and it was like this flywheel effect of, okay, they spoke it into existence, like what you're talking about. And so yeah. if there is that resistance, I just want to encourage all of you advisors out there, congratulations, you're normal. That's how it works for everyone. Do business, do life. Like we knew it's what we were about, but saying it out of the gates, it kind of felt like, okay, is this just something we dreamed up? No, it's what we're, it's true to our core. And now we'll have DBDL, our, our clients like hashtagging DBDL, obviously this podcast that was born out of that whole concept. And so- it's just kind of crazy how it works, Kristen. You know, it's just, it kind of blows you away yeah. once you like dedicate yourself to it. The mindset shift that I think has been a game changer for all of us is realizing that it's not about what you say. It's not about the words that you're saying because they're uncomfortable. You've never said them before or even how you're saying it because that does matter. It's who you are when you're saying the words. You know what I mean? Like, it's not who you about- become. It's almost like you become who, who as well. are you when you say the words, are you yeah. a leader? Like, are you that inspiring person? Are you someone that can be trusted? Are you someone that's worth respecting and admiring and believing in when you say it? It's not like, you know, what we're known for is um, helping our clients know that the best is yet to come. It should be a whole body. I may be an extreme, but like, like put your body into it, like stand up until you get comfortable becoming the person that you need to become when you say those words, because who you are when you're saying them makes or breaks the words that you're saying in no matter what format, whether it's content to your team, to a potential prospect. I think who yeah. you're being, you say it matters most. Sales is a transfer of belief. And if you don't start that belief in you, you sure can't transfer it to others. You know, that's it's conviction. That's, that's really what it is. Okay. Sadly, I look up and here we are. So we've got two fortune cookies to crack. And so do you want to go into Kristen Shays? First off, this has been really fun, Kristen. Like we've had a lot of fun conversations during the triad run, but this was fun. So thanks for coming on the show. As always, your energy is infectious. I love who you are, how you show up. Um, you just pour into our community. You love to serve others. So thanks for all you've done. Thanks for going through the tough times, the storms, the craziness that it's taken to get to here. And I'm like forever grateful. So thank you. And Triad would not exist without Kristen Shea because you were right there helping us build it from the very get-go. So thank you for that. Now I better stop. You're I'm, like, I'm going to get like emotional here. So um, um, with that, as we wrap here, I have to close with what is Kristen Shea's definition of do business, do life. And then we can get to the fortune cookies or we can do the fortune cookies and get to that. Your choice. Wow. Let's do I the fortune cookies and the fortune and, cookies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do the fortune cookies and end with, with DBDL, your definition. So the, the one that I started will be for us, you and me. And then this one will be for the audience. Okay. Cause I don't want to, I, at first it was like Kristen and Brad, but like us, I hope, I hope these are good. All of us together. Okay. Okay. I wish, I wish I could like cheers you. Cheers. What do you think it says? 
What do you think the animal is? Stay, stay true to yourself. That's my guess. I want to read them both and then decide which one's for the audience because the first one's good. A bold adventure is in your near future. Wow. P.F. Jangs. Maybe we're supposed to. Maybe we're supposed to open that like three years ago. <laughs> can we? Can but, we handle any more hey, bold adventures? Yeah, there's probably more in store. Probably more in store. Okay, cool. All right, and then the last one. This one's for you guys. This one's for you, DBDL okay. insiders. So for you, DBDL listeners out there, this one goes out to you. Here's your fortune. I hope <laughs> it's good. I hope it's good. Okay. Oh. Okay. A new book will change your perspective. I literally cannot even make this up. A new book will change your perspective. Well, with that, here you go. Go buy Kristen's book, Truth About Digital Marketing for Financial Advisors. There you go. And Joey right, Coleman Kristen. from the last episode was pretty good too. If you haven't listened yeah. to that, that's a fire episode. <laughs> yeah. And a bold adventure is in your near, your near future as well. Let's be real. All of our futures. Love it. All right. What's Kristen's definition of do business, do life? I'd love to hear it. I honestly kind of think this is it. Bold adventures in life, traveling, um, having a dog, love her. I don't know if that's okay. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Bold adventures and in learning. Is that a good answer? I feel like most of my job is just learning and reading and taking in as much feedback and information as I can in a way that I can hopefully give back and create value. And then outside of that in business and life, it's all, it's all just adventures in Enneagram seven land world's an amazing place. As long as you let it be. Yeah. Well, you're fortunate. We left a small piece of the story out. You're married to a seven. His name's Joe. He's a great dude. God bless um, him. He actually served a season at Tria that I'm very grateful for. And what was really cool, like talk about a partner in life supported you while you all were engaged to move to Kansas, half a country away, supported you coming out here because that really sucked after a while into it, right? And uh, it's just been awesome to see your evolution as a as a business person, but but really like as a human, like you've just grown in so many ways since we first met. And um, it's cool that I've really gotten to know Joe too, who's like DBDLing with you. So here's to all the yeah, future Joe. adventures you all take together. Yeah, cheers. Okay, thanks for checking out this week's show on to this week's featured review. It comes to us from Morton William Raj Olson via Apple Podcasts Denmark. So we've got another international review. He says, five stars, look no further if you're seeking genius in a bottle. I have been a financial planner for two decades. I am now a company owner and I wouldn't have evolved at this pace without Brad and co-host insights just follow listen learn and implement and then a rock on emoji at least i think that's what it is that's what it is in the u.s anyway so uh morton thanks so much it was actually one of the, the coolest podcasting experiences ever morton when i was doing a live stream on a series during covid he connected with me on facebook and i think specifically on the simon bowen episode on my previous show. And then of course I've had Simon back on this show and he used Simon Bowen's futures model. By the way, if those of you that don't know what that is, go back to the Simon Bowen episode, maybe figure out what number that is for y'all. And um, he does something called a futures model, which just shows that, um, you know, today is the closest you'll ever be to the future that you want. And it's a great visual model 
for people that have a tough time getting to a decision or constantly procrastinate or think about it. Um, it's actually episode six uh, for those that haven't checked it out yet. In the opt-in on episode six, I believe you just text six to the DBDL hotline and uh, we'll unlock the futures model a video of it where Simon shares that. But long story short, Morton, listen to this episode, utilize this model. And I believe if my memory is not incorrect, it helped him bring on a $10 million client. And so he connected and just wanted to share with me that that little model shared on a podcast from across the world had really served him. And from there, a friendship was really struck up. So Morton, if you're listening to this, thanks for the kind words. Thanks for listening in. But you're a testament to being a student because you took the content shared and you did something with a buddy. So glad the show's serving you. Next time I'm over in Denmark, which it's been too long, big fan of Copenhagen and Belund, the home of Lego, took the family there one time. When I come back, we'll definitely have to meet up because uh, an in-person meetup's long overdue. So with that, Morton, thanks for the kind words and we'll catch you all next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Do Business, Do Life podcast. As we wrap, for access to show notes, transcripts, and exclusive content from all of our show's guests, don't forget to visit bradleyjohnson.com forward slash podcast. And before you go, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you're liking the podcast, you can help support the show by leaving your rating and review on iTunes. Not only do we read every single comment, but this will help the show rank and get discovered by new listeners and other financial advisors out there that can benefit from the show. Trust me, it really does help. So thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode. These conversations are intended to provide financial advisors with ideas, strategies, concepts, and tools that could be incorporated into their advisory practice. Advisors are ultimately responsible for ensuring implementation of anything discussed is in accordance with any and all regulatory and compliance responsibilities and obligations. 